Week one in the NFL in the books, and we are moving on to week two. Welcome into the Chief Zone Podcast. I am Farzi Vasugi and Zach Stegna also here with me. This is going to be an interesting show. A very interesting show as the Antonio Brown drama is continuing. Surprise, surprise. Uh, the latest on that, we'll talk about that. I'm going to react to some of the highlights from week one of the NFL. Always a very interesting week. We learn a lot, some surprises, and... A lot of moments where we kind of wonder, are there going to be pretenders or contenders here moving forward? Uh, So we'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, teams from week one and react to that. And, of course, our big part of the podcast, the Chiefs and Raiders preview. Our game breakdown for the Chiefs and Raiders game. That will wrap up the show. Plus your text messages, 913 808-2119, that is the text line and the voicemail line, 913-808-2119. I'm on Twitter at Farzine21, Zach is on Twitter at ZStegenga, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. We just recently surpassed 5,000 followers on Facebook, so a big thanks to all of you guys that have been liking and following the page. Please, 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 please continue to invite your friends to the page. Um, Very simple to do. If you're on your desktop, it's very easy to do. You simply go to our page, facebook.com slash and On the right-hand side, you can invite your friends by clicking invite your friends and then hitting select all and then sending those invites. It sends it in the blink of an eye, just like that. So would greatly appreciate everyone. Uh, if you haven't done so, please do it. If you've done it before, do it one more time. would greatly appreciate that, uh, especially if you've got a lot of friends, unlike me. Uh, but nonetheless, Aww, buddy. Uh, uh, it's all good, though. Uh, subscribe as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, everywhere else where you can download this podcast. Share the links as well. You just heard Zach Stenga. Zach, uh, week one in the books now. Uh, got a couple of exciting Monday Night Football games uh, after some boring primetime games before that. But week one, good, good start to the NFL season. I mean, if I'm being honest, from where I am here on the East Coast, I got one interesting Monday night football game. The other one was on the West Coast and was up really, really late, and I had to work the next morning. So uh didn't get to see all of the Raiders-Broncos game, and it sounds like it got much, much better towards the end. But yeah, uh, it got the one that counted, for sure. It did get a little bit uh, more interesting in the end. Uh, I wouldn't say you missed too much. Uh, did you catch the um, FAB chance? Yes, that I was very appreciative of. I just thought that was really funny. Because, to be honest, I mean, can you imagine being a Raiders I mean, you know, especially in this case, I can't imagine being a Raiders fan on a good day, let yeah. alone as they're going through nonsense like this. Uh, and so, I mean, honestly, you almost feel for them. Like, man, their team's leaving. They're going to Vegas. They get to deal with this nonsense in the offseason. Like, you know, uh, there is. I never thought it would happen, but there might be a part of me that almost feels bad for Oakland fans. I think we'll have that fixed by Sunday, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, man, I don't know. And we're going to get to Antonio Brown in a moment, but uh, my God, it's like, if you're... It, here's the thing. I was joking a few weeks ago. We, we were talking about, you know, A.B., do we feel bad for him? Do we not? And I'm like, no, I don't. Um, but Mike Mayock and John Gruden, like, I feel bad for those guys. You, you never give up draft picks to bring in such a marquee player and for it to pan out the way it did. Uh, you never want that kind of PR ever. And Raider, no, no fan base. Look, we've dealt with some knucklehead moments here in Kansas City. Uh, the Larry Johnson thing. I mean, the Chiefs were very, very, very patient with him and all the trouble he had gotten into. 
So look, we know what it's like. We, we've had that before in Kansas City. And no fan base really deserves to go through anything like that. And the way the Raiders fans reacted, look, I'll give them credit. I thought that was pretty funny. Did you see the uh, video where um, they're chanting that as they're leaving the stadium as well? No, I didn't see that part, but that's hilarious. That That's yeah. still the takeaway. I like that. That uh, they were, uh, I mean, that, that chant continued. Uh, but I have a feeling they'll be chanting F somebody else uh, this Sunday. Uh, but hey, uh, Raiders fans, I mean, never change Raiders fans. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's expected of them. Yeah, kind of the same way that as KU fans, we always expect it out of K-State fans. You know, it's just kind of a natural thing. Sorry (laughs) to all the K-State fans out there, but hey, I'm not the one out there chanting, you know, F my rival school. So, yeah, it's what it is. Didn't didn't K-State fan like students have to didn't they had to sign like um, there there is a uh, thing out there right now going on trying to end that kind of the same way that, you know, during the Turner Gill and Mark Mangino year or sorry, the turnover from Mangino to Gill, where you know KU fans, we would you know have that little tendency to yell, "Rip his effing head off!" Off. Of oh kickoffs. yeah, okay. Um, you know, it's the same sort of thing where like the administration's trying to be like, "Hey, maybe don't do that," and the students are going to still do what the students do because let's be honest, that's college. Um, I remember the K State drama that happened because so, a, a couple of students ran into like Jamari Trailer, I think. Oh and yeah, someone ran was... into Bill Self. Yeah, that kind of yeah, that's that was where... a little different. But yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's where K State tried to knock, knock down. Yeah, uh, but anyway, nonetheless, uh, got a lot of things to get into here on this episode. Uh, so we're gonna get into it. Let me real quickly just say this. Obviously, we're not gonna we're gonna react to some of the week one happenings, but we're not gonna do our closing segments. And look, maybe we should have done the or I should have at least done this in the offseason, maybe playing this out. I'm not exactly sure how we're going to handle our closing segments because the Chiefs are, I mean, there's always news going on with the Chiefs. In fact, they've got some things that took place this week that we've got to discuss. We're not going to do our closing segments uh, around the NFL, hot takes, out of bounds, all those good stuff, penalty flags. Well, they'll be back, don't get me wrong, but uh, we may not do them on a consistent basis. Uh, and look, this offseason has been a crazy one for, for Chiefs fans, and you guys all know why. Busy offseason with some of the turnover and the Tyree Kill story. That, of, of course, uh, dominated headlines quite a bit. So we, we were pretty busy on the podcast for sure. Um, but we're going we're gonna to try to figure out uh, what we're going to do with our closing segment. So uh, we may bring Don't worry, one of the them back. the hot takes will be back. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. It just may not be on a consistent basis. We may try to split them up evenly where we do a couple on uh, our uh, recap episodes and then we do the others on our preview episodes. So maybe something like that just to kind of even it out and even the timings of the uh, podcast as we move on. So uh, bear that in mind. Uh, I do want to say before we move on, the Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaways on Facebook and Twitter. I mentioned earlier, facebook.com slash Farzine and at Farzine21 on Twitter. This is the last time we are giving away a Mahomes Magic Crunch. So if you missed out the first couple of times that we had our uh, giveaways, or if you didn't win before, this is your last chance. And for whatever reason, because this is our last chance, we already have way more people uh, putting, commenting, sharing, whatever, retweeting to, so that way they have a chance. For whatever reason, like the third time, the last time is the one where we have the most participants. But hey, uh, this is your last chance. I wanted to give everyone a chance if they didn't get a Mahomes Magic Crunch or if they live out of town. Well, then you. Uh, this is your last chance. Winners will be announced on Friday at 7 o'clock, so hurry up and 
uh, go ahead and be a part of that if you would like to do so. And then very soon, we'll be giving away two of the Chiefs Kingdom flags from this year. And I also have Chiefs Kingdom flag from 2016 that I'll be giving away as well. Not exactly sure how I'm going to do that, Facebook or Twitter or both. So uh, that is still kind of uh, to be determined. But nonetheless, that will be coming up very soon. All right, let's move on with the show. And let's start with week one reactions. Uh, By the way, Zach, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, According to the NFL Communications Department, week one NFL games averaged over 17 million viewers, uh, which is up 5% from 2018. More than 109 million viewers uh, tuned in to week one NFL games. Uh, I don't know if that's just Sunday uh, afternoon games or if that includes the primetime games. Uh, but nonetheless, it is an increase from last year. Uh, the I guess there are only, what, five, six people who are pretending to uh, boycott NFL games now at this point. People are, we a couple of years ago, people were panicking. Hey, players are protesting and ratings are going down. Are people, do people care about the NFL? I know even the Super Bowl uh, took a hit in ratings. Still a lot of viewers, but compared to other Super Bowls, it definitely took a, a, a big hit. So this is kind of nice to see the NFL get off to a good start from the ratings department. Absolutely. And, I mean, to be fair, that last Super Bowl deserved the low ratings. That was a terrible game. But, I mean, let's be honest, we had no way of knowing that was the case. So, uh, yeah. you know, the ratings, especially for that event, never really affect, you know, reflect the uh, quality of the game itself. But I think it really, like, part of the reason for the ratings being up so high is the fact that, I mean, really, save for a handful of fan bases, I think everybody came in a little bit optimistic about their team. I mean, unless you're a Dolphins fan. That is true, and I think that's a good place to start right there. The Miami Dolphins, uh, I don't even remember the score. It was 56-10, to I think. It was a lot to a little. A lot to a little, yes. Um, Look, there was that report from Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio that... A lot of Dolphins players contacted their agents, and they want out. By the way, lots of Chiefs fans saw that, and they would they were wondering if the Chiefs could go after Xavier Howard, the cornerback. Apparently, Xavier Howard is not one of those guys who contacted his agent, and he just signed a five-year deal, so it's going to be difficult to try to attain him. But, you know, look, man, um, it sucks to lose, especially like that. At the same time, it's not realistic that, you know, all these players that want out of Miami, they're not all going to get their wish here. Yeah, sure, the the Dolphins could be a team that's going to sell by the trade deadline, but not everyone is going to get their wish at the end of the day. Yeah, I also just love how you said could be a team that sells by the trade deadline as if they're not already in sell mode. That's That just amuses me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the logistics of getting that many people... Uh, you know, out of town, like it's it. I we can't pretend to know who exactly was you know doing so, but let's be honest, it's week one. Like things will continue to unfold throughout the season, uh, but Miami's sure got a long way to go. And I think that you know, frankly, I'm a little disappointed just in the way that they've made it clear. You know, I mean, obviously they're never going to come out and say they're tanking, but like man, if getting whooped fifty six or fifty nine to ten doesn't say, hey, we're tanking, I don't really know what does. I mean, maybe they'll need to get, you know, some fans with uh, you know, banners flying behind planes over the stadium. But uh you know, that <laughs> would know also that. require them to have fans. So, you know, it's just a rough season to be uh you know, to be a dolphin for sure. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Look, I am not on this Ryan Fitz magic bandwagon. I, 
He had that amazing game against the Chiefs a few years ago when he was with the Bills in 2011. Uh, and it's just, look. And he had a great we, three games to start the season last year with the Bucks. Yeah. So so he had two. I, I saw the script twice. He has gotten off to great starts a couple of times, but then we saw how it all ended both times. And I, he even got a little bit of preseason hype going into 2019. And I'm like, look, let's, let's, let's pump the brakes here. So. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a long season for sure for the Dolphins. A lot of people are wondering if it's going to be a long season for the Bears because of the way they opened. And maybe it's because it was the first game and a lot of people tuned in for that. Uh, it was the 100-year anniversary. So instead of having the Super Bowl champions open up the season, they had these two teams. And it definitely was not the ideal type of game you would have wanted to have. If you told me the Packers were going to only score 10 against the Bears... Wow, I don't know if even the most blind Packers homer could even sit there and say the Packers are beating the Bears. The Bears laid an egg against uh, the Packers, putting up only three points, being in the first quarter too. And Bears fans heavily booing Trubisky and the offense every time they came off the field for a three and out. A lot of people slammed Mitchell Trubisky saying that, you know, he's a bust. He definitely should have been drafted after Mahomes and, and Watson, which, look, I think, statistically speaking, obviously Mahomes should have been first and Watson second. Uh, Trubisky to EF taken that high. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say he was a bust. It's one game. Tom Brady will, has a bad game here and there. Now, for it to happen week one, yeah, it might be easy to hit the panic button, but look, Mitchell Trubisky could have easily had this bad game in week 7 or week 11. I don't know. It just so happened that he had his bad moment in week 1. People are forgetting he is coming off a Pro Bowl season. He is. Yeah, and I mean, he's I I think that you know people are overreacting a little bit. I mean, yes, he missed quite a few throws in that game, but ultimately I don't think that, you know, it's panic mode, you know, I don't think the Bears should be in panic mode yet. I just also don't think that, you know, I recognize the disappointment where they're coming from because they thought they had Super Bowl aspirations, and it's looking like maybe that won't be the case this year. The Cleveland Browns definitely uh, have had aspirations, especially their fan base. They were really excited, understandably so. I thought after they fired, um, uh, what's the name of the guy? Uh, Hugh who Jackson. They let go of? Yeah, Hugh Jackson, and they also fired Todd Haley, former Chiefs head coach, the same day. Uh, they had a, a, a shift in their coaching staff midseason, and they made some more changes in the offseason. And with Baker Mayfield getting experience under his belt, adding Kareem Hunt, who will return at some point, uh, Odell Beckham I Jr. I mean, a lot, of pe- a lot of people were excited for the Browns, but man, they looked terrible against the Titans, losing 43-13. to The Titans uh, just dominated this football game. Baker Mayfield had one touchdown and he had three interceptions in this football game. Uh, again, it's week one, um, but week one, it's easy to... Um, I mean, look, we, we just live in an era now where there is no patience, but we certainly were not expecting this from the Browns to open up the season. I mean, I don't know. I think Delaney Walker said it best. You know, They turned out to be what we thought they were. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't think that they were going to be like that, but uh, you know, by the same token... The Titans sure looked pretty good against them, so it'll be interesting to see how the Browns are able to rebound moving forward. The Eagles, man, look, if Carson Wentz plays like this, 28 passes for 313 yards, three touchdowns, one sack, no picks, this is a Super Bowl-caliber Eagles team. But the question is, with Carson Wentz, is he going to 
stay on the field. Now, funny enough, ironically, it was his backup, Nick, former backup Nick Foles, who suffered an injury and is going to be out for quite some time. And here's Carson Wentz, who had this big game to open up the season for the Eagles. Uh, Zach, I, I don't think there's any debate. Yeah, this could be a team that maybe the Chiefs will face in the Super Bowl. Um, but the question just still remains, can he make it that long? Who knows? But regardless, whoever you know is throwing the ball for the Eagles is going to have Deshaun Jackson out there. Is you know he's looking like shades of his former self. Uh, you know, at least based on Week One. Now I know small sample size, of course, but really you had him and Marquise Brown both looking like you know vintage era Deshaun Jackson. So yeah, could be interesting season there in Philly. A couple more moments I wanted to hit the Chargers. Uh, first off, give credit to the Colts for making it competitive, obviously, forcing overtime. Uh, Phillip Rivers had a chance to seal the game, uh, got picked off in the end zone, and the Colts did tie the game. Uh, Jacoby Brissett and Marlon Mack both had great games, and they definitely deserved a better outcome. The Chargers, as a team, ran the football 21 times for 125 yards. That's a 6.0 yard per carry average. The only rushing touchdown came from Austin Eckler. That was the game-winning touchdown in overtime. So I ask you, Zach, obviously we know about the Melvin Gordon situation. Ezekiel Elliott just got a massive contract from the Dallas Cowboys. You know, are the Chargers proving that, you know, maybe you don't need to give in and pay so much money to these running backs? You are able to move forward offensively, whether it's with another running back or having it a running back by committee. I mean, I don't know. It certainly uh, you know, doesn't make Melvin Gordon's position any easier. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Gordon certainly deserves to get paid. I mean, he's still one of the best running backs in the league. But at the same time, I think you know, sooner than later, he's going to need to get back with that team just to prove, like, you know what? Go out there, play your season, and worst-case scenario, they franchise tag you next year, and you pull, you know, the sort of a stunt that like a Le'Veon Bell did if you really absolutely have to. But don't do it in your final year of your contract. Do it, you know, after you've taken that opportunity to prove, yep, I'm exactly what you think I am, which is one of the better running backs in the NFL. You know, top 10, realistically, possibly top 5 caliber guy. Uh, the Steelers, yikes. Um, as Kevin Keithman would tweet, holy hat. Uh, look, between uh, Man- Peyton Manning's departure and... Patrick Mahomes uh, coming on the rise. In between then, the Steelers have always been considered the second best team in the AFC. It's always been the Pats, and then it's either the Colts or Broncos, depending who Peyton Manning played for, and then the Steelers. And with Manning gone, the Steelers have been the second best team in the AFC. Um, But for them to look like this, and I don't care who it's against, even if it's the Pats, I mean, that was a terrible game. Uh, I don't know what to make of this Steelers team. They were they missed the playoffs last year, and I don't know. People are starting to wonder if this is a team that's on the decline with Roethlisberger and perhaps uh, Mike Tomlin could be in the hot seat. I mean, I think if they put Tomlin in the hot seat, that's an absolutely foolish move. But that's you know neither here nor there. I think Ben Roethlisberger was looking like he was you know I mean. I can't really say he was looking like he showed his age because he, I mean, he still had the arm to make all the throws, which I don't think he'll lose anytime soon. But he just seemed to, like, you know, just miss the throws, you know, overthrowing, you know, here and there, but, like, really just seemed completely out of sync that game. I don't know. I mean, realistically, he's another one that I'm going to put on the Trubisky list, which is to say, you know, people that I'd like to see make a rebound in week two just to see, 
or well, I'll be interested to see whether they can rebound in week two or not. Just to know, you know, is Ben Big Ben really, uh, you know, nearing the end of his, you know, what's really realistically a Hall of Fame career, or does he still have a little bit left in the tank? It'll be interesting to see. This is the last thing I want to touch on, um, and we may spend a little bit of time on this, but it's this whole overtime drama here. Look, I know people were, or Chiefs fans specifically, were upset that Mahomes, the MVP, the guy who got 50 touchdowns, never touched the ball in overtime. But me personally, man, I've always just said this. Let me let me start here. In mixed martial arts, especially in the UFC, there is this saying that if you want to win a fight, do not let the fight go to the judges. Do not let that fight go to a decision. Knock your opponent out or submit him. And I, I feel like maybe you can use that kind of saying in the NFL where, look, if you don't want to be in a position where you don't get the football in overtime, don't let it get to overtime at this point. Because I know people are not fans of the rules. Uh, the Chiefs had many reasons as to why they did not win that game. Overtimes, uh, the struggles in overtime, or the lack of not getting the ball and all, that's one of many, many, many reasons uh, people were even calling for the Chargers-Colts game where uh, the Colts never touched the football in overtime. And the Cardinals-Lions game, that ended in a tie, which we were recording when that happened. Um, Zach, I hate the new 10-minute period. of Why are we cutting back five freaking minutes of overtime? I don't know if you remember the Chiefs and Giants game from twenty six or 2017. When the Chiefs lost in overtime to the Giants in an upset, that game almost ended in a tie because of how much time was left. I don't understand why 10 minutes is this new limit that they're giving to teams in overtime. Let them play 15 full minutes. I don't think, you know, look, if a game is still going in overtime that long, people are going to tune in because... They wanted. It's going to be an exciting game. It's coming down to the wire. You, I, I think this whole ten minute limit has, if anything, created more ties in overtime. And more ties is bad for everyone. I, it's one of those things that I absolutely find it completely dissatisfying. You, know, I know that you know my friends who are uh, you know bigger soccer fans than I am. You know, always get annoyed with me for this whenever we go to sporting games or. Uh, you know, otherwise where you know I'll always complain about a tie whenever it happens and they you know they'll talk about the strategy that you know gets to there but honestly I still hate it you know, you win or you lose like there's no you know finishing with a tie or you know everybody gets a trophy sort of nonsense um, and I think that you know the prospect of having more ties because of the fact that the clock just runs out faster that seems like a mistake on the NFL's part if you ask me but I mean, I guess yeah. There's a reason that they don't let me make the rules, so it is what well, it is, I guess. You know, I get people hate you know field goals because they're not as exciting, um, especially if a team starts with a football in overtime and they get to the red zone. Well, the generally what happens is they center the football and on second or third down they go for the field goal in case there's a miss snap. So. Uh, now you have this new rule where it's, oh, a field goal continues overtime, but a touchdown ends the game. It's like, see, now you're playing chess at that point, which I hate. That's that's not even football anymore. Uh, I was okay with sudden death. I, I, I really was. Um, if anything, that had fewer ties, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, you know what I would like? You know, people say they don't like field goals. If the game is still tied after 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever, 
They need to do something where they actually get field goal kickers involved a bit more. Where, you know, you start at the uh, 30-yard line. You both, both kickers kick a field goal. And it, they do it at the same penalty location. Penalty kicks. Yes. Penalty kicks like that. And they, they're both going the same direction. That way, you know, there's no advantage or disadvantage with the wind. And then you go five yards back each time. And it's like, you know, whoever misses in this round, uh, you know, if both kickers miss, you continue. Whoever misses, uh, you know, th- that's your winner. Uh, you do a coin toss too to see who goes first and who goes second. Uh, things like that. Uh, you I know, don't know. That's I think you might. That's, be my, that's my wild there. imagination. No, I think that you know that, that's actually kind of a brilliant idea. I'd love to see something like that. See, they need to put me in the NFL office making some of these rules, but that'll never happen. Yeah, um, but they don't. They don't care about what the fans want. Come on, yeah. man. Exactly. I mean, ratings went up five percent. Man, give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Honestly, um, like though that that might that might have legs. That that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to see. Uh, all right, let's move on. Before we get into some of the Chiefs news, I want to touch on Antonio Brown because this does impact the Chiefs in a way because the Patriots uh, right now they are uh, the biggest threat for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, a lot of people think it's going to come down to the Chiefs and Pats once again this year. Everyone's going to be tuning into that game in December when the Chiefs and Pats meet up in Foxborough. For that uh, late uh, 325 kickoff game. And I believe it's going to stay 325. Because that is a CBS protected game. Because it's been a while since CBS has been able to air a Chiefs-Pats game. But anyway. Uh, Antonio Brown. I mean this has t- gone into a whole new. I mean you Antonio Brown's a type of guy. Uh, which we, we've had fun with this on social media. Talking about how Antonio Brown's a type of guy. And then we say something funny. Antonio Brown, Zach. He is the type of guy to teach The Rock what rock bottom is. The Rock has that famous rock bottom move in pro wrestling. Antonio Brown is teaching everyone what rock bottom is. Uh, he joined the Pats, which Chiefs, some Chiefs fans were nervous. They were irate. They were upset that he went to New England. I bet they're not so upset anymore because now the Patriots have a situation on their, on their hands. Um, Antonio Brown has been accused of raping a woman uh, and I'm not going to get into the details of that, although I will say the email that he had sent to this woman, ugh, I, I mean, the, the things he said in there, it's like, it's not even English. Like, I lost brain cells reading that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do, sadly. Uh, yeah. You know, I wasted, you know, a fair bit of my time, you know, trying to read through that. And then also just, like, there were bits of it where it's like, man, I'm just genuinely trying to understand what you're trying to communicate here because <laughs> I, I, I got lost in bits of it. Uh, Look, there's there's dirty talk with your significant other and all that, but it's like, you know, if you want your partner to be aroused, at least, you know, use some good English. I mean, I don't know. I I just really, like, frankly, couldn't comprehend some of what was going on there just because, again, no standard, you know, writing conventions were adhered to. Like, I I was very, (laughs) very confused. It was like, you know, if you just... You mixed all the words up. You're like a Mad Lib. Uh, So, look, I mean, that happened. But, man, listen, here's the thing. Uh, I get Patriots fans. I I mean, they love to crucify Tyreek Hill and say that he beat his kid. But, you know, when Robert Kraft is in trouble, now Antonio Brown's in trouble. Wait for the facts. There are two sides to every story. I mean, that's, that's the standard that Patriots fans have right now. Which I mean, uh, look, it does make sense. I mean, to a level. No, no, because, no. Listen, 
Listen, Go ahead. I agree. I agree. The Tyree Kill thing, if we learned anything from that, we got to be a little bit more patient. But Patriot, and I stand by what I'm saying, but Patriots fans, uh, come on, man. Like, I guarantee you, Zach, if he was still a Raider, Patriots fans would have him guilty on the spot. That's probably true. I mean, the thing about it, you know, from where I'm sitting here, is like, you're just recognizing the the fact that we did have this whole thing with Tyreek in that it was just such a mess in that you know, so many different things continued to come out. And I, I guess I just you know, can't pretend to really know what's going on with all of this. And, you know, I, I, I definitely think that as Chiefs fans, it's important here to, you know, as much as we'd love to go after him just to kind of get, you know, a couple of shots in, especially after, you know, the way that the whole Tyreek Hill thing went down. I think you know, ultimately it comes down to two things. One, we got to take the high road as Chiefs fans. But then two, it's important to put some of the blame here really where it belongs, which is to you know, say on a national scale, you know, when the when the tape was actually revealed to be eleven minutes instead of two minutes, um, and then you know all of the evidence that you know essentially you know, well, I won't say exonerated Tyreek certainly you know, provided a little bit more context to the situation, you know, the national media didn't get to run with that. And so that's yet another reason to ding, you know, KCTV5 and the mistakes that they made in heavily editing that audio. Because like it or not, on the national level, that's the audio that still prevailed. Um, Yeah. The full 11 minutes never made it out there. And so, you know, you feel for Tyreek, obviously, in that situation and... Who knows what the situation here is with Antonio Brown. But if there's one thing I learned through the Tyreek thing, it's I'm going to go ahead and bite my tongue and let this one play out. Oh, I and I wholeheartedly agree with you. My only thing is, is you know, the standard Patriots fans have, it's like, you know, well, because fair. it's their guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's their guy. Whatever. But look, um, is he worth it for the Patriots? Yeah, I guess. Because, listen, if you don't have him, and listen, I, I, I still stand by what I said before. That with, with with Antonio Brown, without Antonio Brown, Tom Brady is still going to be fine. Now, could this be the difference in who goes to the Super Bowl and who finishes in second place in the AFC? Possibly. We don't know for sure yet. Uh, I guess we'll find out when, in January and all, uh, assuming both teams make it there. But, um, listen. Yeah, assuming you're still with the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's another thing, too. Uh there, are, there's talks that he could be put on the commissioner's exempt list, but I want to, I don't want to get into that. What I want to say right now is for the Patriots, yeah, Antonio Brown might be worth the hassle because you signed him so you can remain uh, as the top dog in the AFC because everybody knows that the Chiefs are knocking on the door right now and they are the ones that could dethrone um, the Patriots, and that's why they're going to stick with Antonio Brown. Bill Belichick mentioned that they are. By the way, I just got a notification on uh, on YouTube of Bill Belichick's press conference answering Antonio Brown's question. I have not. I, I've read about it, uh, but I don't know how long was it. Zach, did you listen? I mean, his answer to Antonio Brown's or the question about Antonio Brown. It was very quick. Okay, well, I, I I'm still going to watch because by the oh, way, oh, it's worth watching. I don't want to spoil the surprise. I I was classic Belichick. I think it was the NFL owners meeting that took place in the offseason. And Belichick made himself available to the media. And uh, it's not necessarily like a press conference. It's more of a scrum where, you know, he's sitting at a table and everyone else is around him. Uh, And he's obviously, you know, giving these very vague, short answers to everything. 
And I just chuckle because there are some uh, – the camera – the video I was watching, you can see a couple of reporters in the background. And there's one reporter. He's like moving his hands and he's he's very energetic and upbeat and exuberant and asking this question to Belichick. And in his mind, he's like, yeah, I'm asking a really good question. Belichick's going to give a great answer. And Belichick just gives like a two-word answer to his question. So, I mean, Belichick's pressers – I mean, they're a thing of beauty. They really are. Um <laughs> Oh man, like I mean like you know, really there's like yeah, you know, three coaches that come immediately to mind and I guess two of them are coaches of teams that I'm a fan of, but when it comes to you know coaches who just you know, absolutely are able to spew coach speak and answer only with what they want to answer, uh you know in the NFL you obviously have Belichick who you know is in a class of his own, but Andy Reid's pretty close. Like Andy's not going to give you too much. He's going to be a little nicer about it, a little less yeah. rough than Belichick. Yep. But then I think really the guy who has it distilled to an art form is Les Miles. Uh, that guy just answers, like, you know, he'll go off on a tangent and say something totally ridiculous, and I genuinely think it's calculated at this point. Uh, I think he just does that to, you know, he's already got the rep as the Mad Hatter anyway. I don't know if he just, like, actually goes off on tangents like that all the time, or if he does it as a great way to distract the media from, you know, the questions that he didn't want to answer. But he's certainly effective at doing so if that's the case. I don't know what it is with these KU coaches. Um, I mean, like referring to Belichick, and we'll get back to the Antonio Brown thing because there's something I, I do want to talk about with Chiefs fans. That Chiefs, a lot of Chiefs fans have had something to say about this, and I want to get into that shortly. But while we're on the topic, um, uh, like Charlie Weiss, who yeah. obviously worked with uh, Belichick, did you ever attend any of his press conferences, Zach? No, I, I did not. I spared myself that. Okay. He had 45 – I'm not over-exaggerating, folks. He had 45-minute press conferences. He loved – and I guess it makes sense that he loves the media because he works for Sirius XM as a morning radio host. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you are a, a, a coach for a football team that's terrible and you are giving all the time in the world. I remember – um. One, a lot of times you'll hear in the background, you'll hear uh, someone from the PR staff say, one more question, guys. I remember uh, after KU lost to Oklahoma in a blowout during Weiss's first year, uh, the SID, she goes, last question, guys. And Weiss goes, that's not the last question. Feel free to ask in as many questions as you want. I'm like, wow. Um, talk about, you know, just overriding your PR people. Uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, not only did he does did he have forty five minute pressers, but dude on uh, recruitment day, like Alabama, like Nick Saban has like a two minute press conference on his recruits. Charlie Weiss gave like a full blown breakdown of every single freaking recruit. I'm like, dude, you you are the coach of Kansas. Slow down. Like, I mean, as a writer, I loved it because I was able to write a full blown preview. But my God, it's like who cares that much? Yeah, I mean, I got I got nothing for that. There are coaches who talk, and there are coaches who coach. Um, and I, I think that you know, Weiss was obviously uh, the former. People uh, were upset because Dave Campo did a teleconference uh, filling in for Charlie Weiss because Charlie uh, went with his family, his daughter, and his wife. They lived in Florida bec- while Weiss was at KU because his daughter has special needs, and she had a much better experience in Florida. Uh, but he went to visit them, so he had to miss the teleconference. Dave Campo, the defensive coordinator and a longtime Cowboys coach as an assistant and a head coach, 
he did he filled in for the teleconference and he just went on with the with story time and people were getting frustrated that it was taking forever. But anyway, uh, back to the whole Bel- Bel- Belichick and uh, Antonio Brown situation. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it is worth uh, the hassle for them to go through it with all. And, and you know, I'll be curious to see everything Belichick said, even though it probably was not much. Now, I do oh, want to touch on this. It. Oh, I'm sure I will. I do want to touch on this because Chiefs fans are very critical right now of Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus is the agent for a lot of big name players. Antonio Brown, who, and again, Rosenhaus has been in, in the media a lot lately talking about it. He is the agent for Tyreek Hill. He is the agent for LaShawn McCoy, uh, who, of course, is a new running back for the Chiefs. I can't, off the top of my head, I cannot think of any big name players right now that Rosenhaus uh, works with. But, po- by the way, if you've never seen it, check out the 60 Minutes uh, feature on him. It's actually really, really cool. If I had to guess, I'm sure there was a Drew Rosenhaus client on all 32 teams. I'm, oh, I'm almost certain of it. Um, He's definitely one of those, you know, Uber agent types. Like, yeah, not quite maybe, Scott Boris of the MLB, but like he's he's pretty well known. Maybe one or two teams are missing him, but anyway, nonetheless, Drew Rosenhaus was on Sports Center on Wednesday defending Antonio Brown from the uh, rape allegations, and Chiefs fans were very critical at this point because Rosenhaus has done lots of interviews, and he's look, he's got a great relationship with the media. And he makes himself available quite a lot. And lately, in the past week, he's been doing a lot of interviews regarding Antonio Brown. And Chiefs fans have come out saying, where the hell was Drew Rosenhaus when Tyreek Hill was being accused of beating his child? And I'll tell where you the answer to, to be that. Behind the scenes. Well, well, actually, he was not behind the scenes. He was out there, Zach. He was in the media. He was talking to everybody. And I know this because I actually was following all of Drew Rosenhaus' media availability. Now, to answer the question, why did he never defend Tyreek Hill? I was shocked by this, Zach. Not a single person in the media cared to ask Drew Rosenhaus about Tyreek Hill. And if Drew Rosenhaus is not going to be asked to defend a player that's dealing with controversy or any allegation like this, he will not address it. It's as simple as that. Well, so, of course not. For, for everyone wondering why Drew Rosenhaus didn't do anything to defend Tyreek Hill or try to clear up his... And I was one of those people calling for Rosenhaus. I said, look, why isn't he speaking up? That's why. He did lots of interviews, and he continues to do a lot of interviews, and never once was he asked about Tyreek Hill. And it, it's as simple as that. You don't get asked about it, you're not going to talk about it. Makes sense. So, that's all you're going to say about that. <laughs> I mean, I re- that's really all I got, man. Like, it, I I honestly respect the fact that he's not going to go and make a story out of something, you know. I mean, there, there's a level to which, when it comes to PR and damage control on that, like, you know, you almost wanted to just, you know, instead of, Per, you know, instead of putting your side out of it, if you can just make it go away and let the you know media you know storm go chase something else for a minute, there is absolutely some logic to that. Um, no, and so that's fair. I mean, I really can't fault Rosenhaus on that. And the other part is, I'm sure that you know he was working hard behind the scenes with Tyreek to you know deal with the people who matter, like at the NFL, of course. Uh, but then you know, just also working with him to you know kind of abide by whatever his wishes were. As far as you know, how he wanted to approach things. I mean, I think that's the mark of a really strong agent. There is the fact that you know they're sticking with the client's wishes and not making you know a tempest wherever there's you know yeah 
no need to do so. No, that's certainly fair. Um, and here's the other thing. Like, if Andy Reid, let's say Patrick Mahomes, and very hypothetical, just to be clear, let's say Patrick Mahomes gotten into trouble, and Andy Reid has a press conference the next day. If nobody in the media asks a question about it, Andy Reid's not going to address it. That's all it is sometimes. Uh, my guess is I don't think people in the media realized that uh, Tyreek Hill was a client of Drew Rosenhaus. I think that could have been part of it as well. All right. Let's put a bow on all that. I know we have not talked a lot of Chiefs, and we've got a lot of Chiefs to get into now. Uh, let's start with some of the Chiefs news, because it's been a busy week for the Kansas City Chiefs. On Tuesday, the Chiefs restructured the contracts for offensive tackle Eric Fisher, who was voted into the Pro Bowl last year, and linebacker Anthony Hitchens, who is in the second year uh, with the Chiefs. And he signed a pretty big deal uh, and as did Fisher in his re-signing with the team, both contracts have been restructured. That helped the Chiefs free up more than $10 million in cap space. That gives them roughly $23.4, $23.5 million in cap room for the remainder of 2019. And the speculation behind that was split between whether the Chiefs were going to go after a quarterback uh, for a trade or if that was an attempt to free up money so they could extend uh, defensive lineman Chris Jones, and a lot of the indications right now are leaning towards Chris Jones getting a contract extension. So, Zach, I gotta ask you, which one would you would you be in more favor of, the Chiefs going after a cornerback or uh, extending Chris Jones? And mind you, if the Chiefs were to go after a cornerback, they'd be spending a lot of money there. Oh, you gotta extend Mahomes next year, and in going after a quarterback, this would likely guarantee, maybe guarantee that this is Chris Jones' final year. Which which side do you lean on? Oh, that's a tough one because, frankly, I think that we're, you know, a decent cornerback away from really being, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're absolutely a title contender anyway. Uh, but that would certainly help. Uh, but, I mean, I'm absolutely here for it if we're at really extending Chris Jones. I mean, he's shown to be... You know, absolutely one of the most disruptive, certainly one of the most disruptive interior uh, defensive linemen that you'll find in the league. And so, you know, if we're extending him, great. I'm here for that. I mean, he's you know, kept his nose clean. He's honestly a lot of fun to, uh, you know, keep track of. You know, he's always, you know, kind of happy-go-lucky in a great mood. And, you know, he's always good, you know, quick with a good one-liner or something like that. You know, at least from what you can tell on Twitter and uh, you know, a couple other <laughs> sources. Like, the guy's a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, he's he's a good guy to have around, and you know also the notion of him and Frank Clark continuing to you know just kind of play you know together through the uh, you know next call it what four or five years of their careers. Yeah, I'm here for that. You know, continue to have the disruptive you know defensive pass rush that the Chiefs have you know, really been known for. If they've been known for one thing historically, it's been you know that kind of ground and pound running style and getting after your quarterback. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm absolutely here for it if they're extending Chris Jones out. I see no issues with that. Yeah, and that's a tough one for me as well. But I think the Chiefs' standpoint right now is, look, last year may not be a representation of this, but 99% of the time, a great pass rush can help even some of the worst secondaries in the NFL. And I think they're also, depending on Morris Claiborne, once he returns, now maybe they can still pull out something at the end of the day. Maybe they find a cornerback out there. Who knows? But look, uh, I know uh, having a large portion of your salary cap go to the defensive line might not be ideal with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. But if if you have those guys together for a long time, it's going to help your defense overall. 
And look, you didn't switch the, to the 4-3 for no reason. You're trying your best to turn this defense around from that 31st ranking. It's uh, it, it, The Chiefs are pretty serious about that. And I think in order to get, at, get, get themselves out of that hole from last year, yeah, you're going to need a really good defensive line. You're going to need a good pass rush. It's, the, the, the battles are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And the Chiefs want to win the line of scrimmage with their defensive line. And I think that is what they're doing uh, assuming uh, that the indications are accurate, that they are uh, going to be extending Chris Jones, it'll help Kansas City for a very, very long time. Other Chiefs news out there, the Chiefs did release wide receiver Byron Pringle, former Kansas State Wildcat, and that was likely due to because DeAnthony Thomas is returning from his one-game suspension. However, Pink Pringle did clear waivers and did resign with the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad, so he is back on the team all of that according to Matt Derrick, and he had mentioned that could be a possibility uh, before it happened. So props to him on uh, reporting that. Uh, Zach, I'll ask you this, and maybe we touch on it a little bit more with the Raiders game. Uh, given that Tyreek Hill is going to be out for a while, and the news for him, he's expected to miss four to six weeks, how much do you think the Anthony Thomas is going to be involved? Because I know he has not done much offensively speaking for the Chiefs, but I think given how slow pace his career has been, especially offensively, this would be a great chance for DeAnthony Thomas to really prove himself and prove why Andy Reid drafted him a few years ago. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. I think Mecole Hardman gets, sorry, McColl, we're working on this. Yeah. Um, I think McColl Hardman uh, will get you know, more of those touches, at least in the near term, because, I mean, that's a known commodity. Um, whereas McColl Hardman, you know, we don't know all of what tricks he's got uh, and I think that, you know, we'll definitely take the chance with him as well. But by the same token, do I think that, you know, that is absolutely going to play a bigger role in our offense? I mean, in that he is going to play a role in our offense? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think he'll be in there, you know, whenever it's a four-wide set. He's always, you know, one of the things that Andy is notorious for doing uh, is, you know, moving a bunch of playmakers around his offense, especially with, you know, putting people in motion, jet sweeps, what have you. Um, you know, worst case scenario, Dat is a perfect decoy guy on something like that. And so, I mean, he knows the offense, you know, he's worked with Andy really his entire career. So, I mean, do I think he'll have, uh, you know, a massively prominent role? No, not really. But do I think that he'll play, you know, call it, you know, 10, 15 snaps on the offensive side of the ball per game? Yeah, I absolutely think so. Who, do you remember the jet sweep attempt? Uh, against the Jaguars? I mean, there were a few of them. I, I thought there was only one. Uh, do you remember who they... Tra- I remember when the Chiefs got to the one after... I think it was after Anthony Sherman's big catch-and-run to the one-yard line. Who who did the Chiefs try to score with? Do you remember? I don't. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, the reason I bring that up is because I feel like they made that obvious... Um, I'm just bringing that up because I forgot to mention that before, and you mentioned the jet sweep. But yeah, DeAnthony Thomas was one of the guys who uh, Mahomes did toss the football to on the jet sweep. It's considered a forward pass, so it is a touchdown pass. Um, But yeah, DeAnthony Thomas was one of those guys last year who was involved in those kinds of trick plays. I'm curious to see how that does uh, unfold for the Chiefs, given that Tyreek Hill is going to be out for uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, that's been the new report lately. Four to six weeks, no IR for Tyreek Hill. Uh, another player who uh, suffered an injury but fought through it, Patrick Mahomes, 
he moved around on Monday, according to Andy Reid, said that he looked just fine. And then on uh, practice on Tuesday, Mahomes, or excuse me, no practice on Tuesday, Mahomes did talk to the media on Wednesday. He said that his ankle was feeling better, and it has been getting better every day. Uh, he was sore on Monday, but he expected to take his normal practice reps on Wednesday, which he did. He was a full participant, and that was uh, reported as well uh, from Matt Derrick. Uh, so Mahomes right now, yeah, a bit of a scare right there. And look, let's be honest, you know the Oakland Raiders, they're aware of what Mahomes is, is, is dealing with from, from the Jaguars game, and you know they're going to go after his feet. You like it or not, that's just how it works sometimes. Uh, my only concern for this week with Mahomes is, man, you better have not only good protection, but you better have some quick passes ready. Look, I don't know if I need to see that cannon arm this week. Uh, maybe you let the rushing attack carry the load. And if it's a blowout going into the, into the fourth quarter, which, you know, you never know sometimes, uh, not not always as easy as you might hope for, uh, yeah, put Matt Moore in there. Uh, because you don't want to see Patrick Mahomes for all four quarters if you don't need him. Especially when you've got someone like Vontae's perfect on the other side of the line. Yeah, that's um, true. And what I mean by that is, you know, Find me a more notoriously dirty hitter since, you know, Brandon Merriweather uh, for the Patriots and then the Redskins and a couple others. Like, you know, Perfect is pretty well known as the kind of guy who is going to come after, um, you know, whatever you know, weakness he sees in the opposing offense. Um, you know, he'll operate just kind of right at the fringe of what's legal and what's not, kind of the way Jalen Ramsey did. Um, and so, frankly, that's something that makes me a little bit nervous as far as, uh, you know, Sunday's game is concerned, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it's a relatively minor injury for Mahomes, and he'll be able to get back to, uh, you know, full speed ahead here before too long. And I think that's the perfect transition to go to our game breakdown, our preview for the Chiefs and Raiders game, the final Chiefs game at the Black Hole, as the Raiders will be moving on to Las Vegas in 2020, the game in Oakland, uh, it's a 305 game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's a 305 game, so if you don't see Chiefs football on your TV at noon, it's because they're on the West Coast, so keep that in mind. Uh, as far as the weather in California, looks like it's going to be clear, according to the uh, weather app, which you never know with these sometimes. Uh, 10% chance of precipitation, 74 degrees, uh, and mostly sunny. So you have that to look forward to if you are going to the game in Oakland Although it's going to be mostly Raiders fans there. That's usually how it is, especially for these Chiefs-Raiders games. Uh, as far as uh, the Chiefs rankings, obviously week one rankings, which of course also means season total rankings. Number three in points per game, fourth in total offense, fourth in passing, and 15th in rushing defensively. Te- uh, 16th in points per game, 22nd in total defense. Obviously a little bit of an improvement, but still early. 24th against the pass and 10th against the run I think that can be due to the fact that the Chiefs had the lead the entire time uh and the Jaguars had to kind of abandon the running game even though they were doing good uh average average wise against the Chiefs uh by the way Mahomes fifth in the NFL on passing yards to start things off and Sammy Watkins to no one's surprise he is first in the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns 198 yards and three touchdowns to start things off. All right, let's go to the Raiders and go to their offense, which is coordinated by Greg Olson. 
Again, early rankings, 19th in uh, points per game, 17th in total offense, 16th in passing, and 19th in rushing. So a fairly mediocre offense from top to bottom. The Raiders, one of the um, notable things from the Broncos win, uh, I have it incorrect on our rundown, but 32 minutes and 45 seconds, that's how long they had possession for. So they managed to... Hold on to the football really well. Control the clock really well. Uh, and, and that's always a key thing, especially in divisional games. Those are always the intense games. And Derek Carr in this football game, not a bad game from him. 22 of 26, 259 yards and a touchdown. No sacks in this football game taken from Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs, the 24th overall pick. 23 rushes, 85 yards. And as far as the pass catchers go, Tyrell Williams he had six catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Tight end Darren Waller had seven catches for 70 yards. Those guys were responsible for most of the receiving. The next closest guys, uh, Josh Jacobs, he had uh, 28 yards. And then the player with the most uh, catches after those guys was Ryan Grant, who was a running back as well. You also have J.J. Nelson, who is likely going to go up against Bashad Breeland on Sunday. And then you also have Dwayne Harris, who I'll bring up later, too, because he's a very good return guy. He's a pretty dangerous dude, a very fast guy, and he could be a surprise guy on offense for the Raiders this Sunday. As far as the offensive line goes, pro football focus isn't very high on that Raiders uh, offensive line, even though they didn't allow a sack. Uh, The highest-graded player is Trent Brown, who's got like a 72-point-something, so... That tells you, you know, this Chiefs defense, especially on that defensive line, they should have it their way. we got Rodney Hudson, former Chiefs draft pick, anchoring that offensive line for the Raiders, but they may have some trouble dealing with Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Derek Nutty, uh, Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Agua, guys who really stepped up and, and made some plays against the Jaguars offense. Absolutely, man. I think it's going to be interesting to, uh, you know, see, you know, just kind of see what, Sort of, I mean, you know, seeing what they did against the, uh, you know, seeing what they did against the uh, Broncos defense there, which was, I mean, seemed fairly strong. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, I it was good, at least on paper. I mean, again, I didn't get to see all of the games, so want to make sure that I'm, you know, grain assaulting this piece here. Uh, But you know, just what I was able to look at in terms of highlight reels and stuff, you know, they seemed pretty strong. Uh, You know, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they do against the Chiefs defense, which. Because again, it's a little bit weaker. Uh, I'm not sure what we're gonna see here, but I, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I like what we're gonna what, what the Chiefs are gonna do. I think uh, you know, again, you're 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 relying on your defensive line to help your secondary. And Tyron Matthew um, didn't have a terrible game, but didn't have an amazing game either. Uh, I I don't think he was a player that was necessarily noticed that uh against the Jaguars offense uh Juan Thornhill uh pro football focused rated him as the best safety on the team which is interesting <laughs> sometimes I don't Certainly know how these... encouraging yeah I don't know how these PFF ratings work sometimes week one ratings maybe you take those with a grain of salt you don't go too crazy for those um but nonetheless uh my my concern is look I mean, the Raiders, what did I say, Zach, uh, in our uh, recap episode? Because we had a chance to talk about the Raiders game, given it was a Monday nighter. I said, what I was looking forward to seeing, how in the world are they going to respond with all this drama? Yeah, sure, he's out, but the public damage has been done. And man, they came out and it's almost like they didn't even care. It's almost like Antonio Brown didn't even exist. 
Uh, I mean, he does not exist in any of the uh, regular I mean, season Raiders records. But um, no, I mean, the Raiders went out there and they took care of they took care of business on offense. And you look at a Darren Waller and a Tyrell Williams; those guys. I mean, they, there was a little bit of pressure they on them to good. help lead this offense. Yeah, they were pretty good. And those are definitely players who look to have another big game given Kansas City's thin depth at the cornerback position. Uh, Bashard Brilland, how is he going to do? Uh, I, we mentioned the stat last week that uh, Charvarius Ward, every time uh, the Jaguars picked on him, they were able to complete a pass. So uh, you definitely want, want to see the Chiefs making adjustments, whether it's just improvement from Charvarius Ward or maybe you put safety help with him and trying to match that Raiders offense because they've got some speed there and they're going to try to attack you in that area. The Chiefs do have some weaknesses, and if your pass rush is not quick to the quarterback, yeah, they can have a field day against this defense. They absolutely can. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, are able to react. But, you know, the other part that, you know, I guess I can't really pretend to be that surprised with the fact that the Raiders actually came out and showed pretty well without Antonio Brown because if you think about it, I mean, really, they had, like, half their preseason where they were preparing without him. Um, so, in a way, like, you know, the kind of ridiculous holdout and then the way that it all turned out, I mean, it could have been worse uh, if you're, you know, looking at it from the Raiders' perspective there. I mean, they, you know, the fact that he held out for so long, that did give you a lot of opportunity to have some reps without the guy. Uh, and so, as such, I think that, you know, they were, in a weird kind of way, prepared for it. Yeah, and look, obviously the fans with the chant that they had going. Still um, funny. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, give, give props to them. It's, uh, you know, I, and I think it sends a message too. Uh, look, uh, yeah, sure, Raiders fans are Raiders fans, but you know, I think there are certain times where something like that is warranted. And it just sends a message that, hey, look, that kind of behavior is never okay for a player, especially when you're making millions of dollars, you're a pro, you're a pro athlete, act like one. And uh now you're just well getting the backlash there. Um, all right, let's switch over to the defense. Uh, defensive coordinator Paul Gunther, part of the uh, Raiders defense. And if you watch Hard Knocks, I remember there was a segment where John Gruden, the head coach, uh, had not mentioned his name yet. Uh, John Gruden did mention that Gunther is a guy who he had noticed for quite some time when he was in the broadcast booth, and he really would uh, have loved to have worked with him. And now here they are working together in Oakland. Uh, defense, 8th in points per game. Obviously a really good showing against the Broncos. 12th in total defense, 16th against the pass, and 12th against the run. So above average, really, on anything except for um, against the pass. So good start to the uh, Raiders' defense. And yeah, sure, it may be a uh, Joe Flacco-led offense that's on the decline. But hey, you can only play who's on your schedule and for week one. The Raiders took care of business defensively. Three sacks on Joe Flacco. Two of them from defensive end Benson Mayowa, I believe is how you say it. And then another one, another one from defensive end uh, Cleland Farrell. He is the number four Cleland. overall pick for the Oakland Raiders. One of three first-round picks the Raiders had. I'll get to the third one in a moment. Uh, defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. He can definitely cause some problems. On that offensive line going up against Austin Ryder and Andrew Wiley. Safety Carl Joseph, who's been with the team for a little bit. He led the team in tackles with seven. Also had a tackle for a loss. And I'll get into Carl Joseph later because I think 
his role is going to be important against the Chiefs. Uh, you, we mentioned uh, Vontae's perfect already. One of the best linebackers in the NFL. One of the hardest hitters as well. Uh, also, you got Jonathan Abram, the 27th overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, he also uh, contributed to the defense's performance on Monday Night Football. Gary and Conley took a brutal hit. Uh, did you see the uh, injury for this, Zach? I, I did not. I saw that he got injured. I did not see how. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I don't know who it was, but his teammate was going for a tackle, and his legs ended up hitting Conley uh, mm. right in the helmet. And yeah, you see that helmet. You can see that neck rocking back. And he was taken out on a uh, on a stretcher. Uh, I thought he was going to be out, but reports are saying he is good to go. In fact, he is on the. Um, on the injury report, which uh, if you give me one moment, let me pull that up real quickly. He was limited in uh, practice for the Raiders, so he could uh, be good to go on uh, on Sunday, and that'll be very important because you look at who they have at safety. You got Joseph, you got Aber, you got Curtis Riley, and at quarterbacks you got Daryl Worley, you got Lamarcus Joyner, and Gary and Conley. Everyone knows what the matchup is going to be, even without Tyreek Hill. You know this offense has so much speed. Sammy Watkins, one of the slowest receivers on the team, just had a field day. The best game of his career against a very good Jaguars team. 198 yards, three touchdowns. And you got McCole Hardman. He didn't do much in uh, week one, but I think it's safe to say that he may uh, get a few touches in this football game. The Anthony Thomas, same thing. He may uh, touch the football a couple of times. Um, Demarcus Robinson should probably have a bigger role in this football game. So... There's going to be a lot of activity with this Chiefs uh, receiving core, and this is a this is a secondary that the Raiders have. I don't want to say they're great. They certainly have some notable names in the secondary. Uh, not great, but they can get the job done when they want to, and they've got a little bit of confidence coming off a really good game against the Broncos. And look, sometimes you know mental play, confidence. That kind of thing. Sometimes that can really bode well over a skill set. I'm not saying, you know, confidence is the only thing in the world. Yeah, you got to have great skills. But, you know, having a, a right mental state can can bode well too sometimes for a team. So that's all I'm trying to say. Um, this is a secondary that, uh, you know, they can start, you know, elsewhere in the NFL as well. Uh, if they were not on the Raiders. Um, so that is going to be a very interesting matchup to see. Uh, we talked all offseason long. You can't double team every single Chiefs player. But... Uh, without Tyreek Hill, how does this offense look? And I forgot to mention Travis Kelsey. You still have him as well. Very quiet second half for Kelsey, but you know he can do a lot of damage as well. 88 yards in the first half against that Jaguars defense. Absolutely, and it's going to be interesting to see where they, you know, just kind of how the Raiders allocate their secondary against the multitude of weapons that the Chiefs have. Because, I mean, Carl Joseph, he's, you know, incredibly, you know, strong there in pass coverage, as is obviously Gary and Conley if he plays. Uh, but Jonathan Abram, I mean, you know, his skill set is less in the passing game, and it's more as being an absolute thumper in the run game. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still in the secondary, so like he's certainly capable of playing the pass. I don't mean to you know describe him the same way I describe Reggie Ragland, because um, he's certainly not that. But uh, I mean, you know, I I tend to think of him more as you know the guy who will come up and lay the lumber on someone in the run game more so than you know get a couple of interceptions in the passing game, and so. It's going to be interesting to see just how, like you said, you know, you really do have to play a pick-your-poison kind of game against this Chiefs offense. And, uh, you know, if Carl Joseph is, you know, tasked with, you know, just kind of playing center field there, there's going to be openings, without a doubt. 
I mean, LaMarcus Joyner is a perfectly strong corner, but he's not getting any younger. Um, Daryl Worley doesn't scare me too much. Um, and, you know, after that, the the depth kind of tapers off a little bit, at least from, you know, what I can tell. And so I think that the Chiefs are going to have an opportunity to put up some points, and I think that realistically they might have to. I know Sammy Watkins is this popular player right now, you know, best game of his life. Uh, you know, the hype that was surrounding him all offseason long, now we're seeing it come come, come to fruition. I'm going to make a bold prediction, Zach, and say that he actually is going to have a really quiet game. And I think Travis Kelsey is going to have the monster game. And the reason I'm going with that is because what I said earlier with, with Mahomes and the injury he's dealing with, first of all, I think they're going to run more than they did last week to play it safe with Mahomes. And second, I think with uh, with the way this offense uh run sometimes you got to have some quick passes for Mahomes uh given that he's playing with a bit of a sore ankle right now and if you do that Travis Kelsey is your best bet and I think that can really help Blake Bell might get a couple of catches as well if he can hold on to them hopefully uh but I think Travis Kelsey is going to have the monster game and I think Sammy Watkins will have just because he's, he has quiet stats doesn't mean he had a quiet game I think he turns into like a Tyreek Hill where he becomes this massive decoy and he hardly does anything. If you remember last year's uh, Chiefs-Raiders game in Oakland, Tyreek Hill had a very, very quiet game. I don't remember the stats, but I know he did almost nothing. But that is on the stat sheet he did almost nothing. On the field, he's out there occupying all these defensive backs when Travis Kelsey was out there balling because nobody accounted for him and he was able to get wide open. And make a bunch of catches. And, and I think he had two touchdowns, almost three. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a similar situation in the same venue at Oakland, at the Black Hole. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I'm certainly excited to see, you know, just, I mean, really this is going to be the kind of thing that we're going to be able to, you know, talk about a lot, you know, really in most of our games this year. Because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you it is a pick your poison sort of thing, and I think that different teams are going to pick different poisons. So it's going to be kind of fun to uh, see the multiple wrinkles of this Chiefs offense because we have playmakers at every position, and that's just so many different ways to beat you. Like you, have, you know, the Jags proved that you know, all right, well, you can take Tyreek Hill away. That's not going to totally do the job, um, and it'll be interesting to see you know what uh, the Raiders try to take away this week, and you know how that continues to evolve over time. Yeah, and I think the optimism is, man, if this Chiefs offense can do what it did last week without Tyreek Hill for most of the game for the next six weeks, man, you get Tyreek Hill back and the whole pick your poison conversation becomes a lot more interesting and uh, more frustrating for uh, for defensive coordinators for sure. Uh, well, the final other fa- thing too is that, you know, we dropped 40 on them. We left yeah. a lot of points on the field last week yeah, and no, no, we still no. dropped 40 on them. No Tyreek Hill for most of the game. Mahomes had a sprained ankle for most of the game, and yeah, you put up forty. Uh, you you if you told me those things happened before the game, I don't know if forty happens, and I might be a little nervous about my nineteen zero prediction if I'm being honest. So uh, that was good to see, very encouraging to see for sure. Uh, final facet of the game: special teams. Rich Baisaka, Baisacha, however it is. Uh, Baisacha. Got, got a good I don't pun know, returner. Looks like a good Italian name to me. <laughs> got a good punt returner in Dwayne Harris. He um, they had a kick returner too. Had a kick return that went for seventy two yards, longest in the NFL in Week One. No touchdowns uh, for any return specialist in Week One. So Dwayne Harris right now stands as the best return man in the NFL. Has a hundred and one yards, which 
obviously leads the league in that category. Uh, you also have Daniel Carlson made a field goal. Uh, also all three of his PATs. And then A.J. Cole the third, Three punts, one of them inside the 20, averaging 45 yards a punt. But also one of them, uh, one of the punts ended up going for a touchback. But Dwayne Harris, that's the uh, big one right there. I, I mentioned why he could light you up on offense. Could be a surprise guy there. Doesn't, doesn't play much offense, but... Maybe but he's got you, that speed. Yeah, yeah. You never know exactly uh, against that Chiefs defense, which you know we're still we still have some unanswered questions. How how will this Chiefs defense do moving forward uh, after a bad season last year? Uh, maybe you do use Dwayne Harris more on offense, but you got to be ready for him on special teams as well. And Dave Tobe, uh, probably one of the better return guys you will face all year long. Absolutely so, and you know he he reminds me a little bit of like you know a DeAnthony Thomas type in that he's got all kinds of speed and all he needs is a little bit of room to put it to use. So the Chiefs are going to have to be pretty diligent to keep him from uh, you know actually getting the touchdown that you'd think you know with a seventy-two yard return you'd think he'd actually get the uh, you know get the ball across the line there. But uh, you know the Chiefs are going to have to work hard to keep him from doing that this week for sure. Uh, JJ Nelson, the wide receiver, Gabe Jackson, a guard. Uh, with a knee injury, and Jonathan Abram, uh, they did not par- uh, participate in practice on Wednesday. Uh, Corey Legit and Gary and Conley were both limited participants for the Chiefs. Tyree Kill, he has already ruled out. Jeff Allen has a thumb injury. He's a full. All of these players: Jeff Allen, Frank Clark with a neck injury, Jordan Lucas, Lucas has a back injury, Mahomes with the ankle, Tyron Matthew with a shoulder, and Dion Yelder. Um, he has a, a, an ankle injury as well. All of them were full participants. In Wednesday's practice, and I'll continue to uh, update uh, on the injury report on uh, Facebook and Twitter as the week goes on. But so far, pretty encouraging sign. Tyreek Hill is really the only uh, major issue. Everyone else a full participant. And one of the encouraging signs for the Chiefs going into last week was that they had nobody on the injury report. So, uh, good, healthy start. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, that's a brutal blow. It's the biggest injury of the NFL so far, but... You got everybody else, and you know you're you're doing just fine without Tyree Kill, uh, w- without your best weapon. So, Kansas City's still uh, going to be fine uh, offensively speaking. As for our predictions go, um, this is going to be interesting. I think Oakland's offense is going to be able to do some things uh, throughout the game. Uh, I think they're going to, I think they're going to make it a close one. I do. I think it's going to be. Score wise, I'll go. I'll go twenty eight twenty four Kansas City. Uh, it's gonna come down to the to the wire in this uh, final showdown at the black hole. I mean, I'm I'm with you in terms of like the general like you know proximity and the scores, but let's not pretend like they're gonna keep us under thirty because they're not. Uh, I mean, they're they've got some talent on the defensive end. Don't get me wrong, but I think that you know you're gonna be looking more at like you know, uh, you. Know, maybe a 42-38 sort of win or something along those lines. Maybe, you know, 42-35, something like that. Um, I think that, you know, there's going to be some offense played in this game for sure. Um, And I think that that's going to ultimately be the determining factor. Because while I think their defense, you know, is, you know, kind of scrappy, I don't think that they're going to be enough to stop our offense. And, you know, I haven't seen enough from our defense to, uh, you know, think that we're going to be able to totally slow their offense down either. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a, uh, you know, we'll go, go ahead and lock it in at a 42-35 win for the Chiefs. Uh, I think this is from Oddshark, 
Facebook.com. Uh, the Chiefs open up as 10-point favorites. I know you're into this kind of stuff, Zach, more than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what the money line is for this football game by chance, or do you have that in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. I could get it in front of me here pretty quickly. Okay, yeah, sure. So, the 10-point favorite, I've got to say, that's a bit of a surprise to me. And I'm not saying the Raiders are a great team by any means, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, the, the the point I'm coming for. First of all, they went into Oakland last year and they only won by seven. And when you look at what this Raiders team did, I, I thought they did some good things against a good Broncos defense. Now, is the Broncos defense no longer good? That's also one of the questions from Week One I had. So it'll be I'm curious to see how that all pans out for Denver side of things. But for now, I, I mean, Denver's defense has always been one of the more respected defenses in the NFL, and I liked. The job that the uh, the Raiders offense did on Monday Night Football, so I think they'll be able to make it uh, competitive and close against the Kansas City Chiefs. Did you see what I did there? I, I stalled quite a bit just so uh, you could, you could get that money line for us, Zach. Uh, I appreciate that. So uh, <laughs> the money line, you know, you got Oakland. Uh, you know, for every you know hundred dollars you'd bet, you get one hundred thirty-five back. Uh, they're plus one thirty-five. Kansas City at minus one fifty-five, which is a little weird. Uh, normally, those two are symmetrical. Um, so that's kind of a weird, weird deal, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, they're showing the, uh, you know, through Vegas insider here, uh, it's looking like a, for some reason they're only showing a two point spread, which I'm not sure I buy. I may have misunderstood what the abbreviations were there, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of a, yeah, that's a much tighter line than I expected. Um, over under of uh, forty seven total points though that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, what was your? If you think about that, that's oh, shoot. Yeah, you split that in half. You look at it. It is. Uh, you know, that's each team you know, getting. You know, just shy of. Uh, you know, it'd be like a twenty twenty four twenty one type win there, um, which I think is. Uh, I'd, I'd take the over on that for darn sure. What was your uh, score prediction again? Uh you know, forty two thirty five. So okay. definitely take the over on the uh, number of points scored, which realistically I think you could do in a lot of Chiefs games this year. Um until Vegas catches up with the uh you know totals there. Let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed, Facebook.com slash Farzi Vizugian at Farzian twenty one on Twitter and at Z Stegna, the phone lines for uh, voicemails and text, 913-808-2119. Let's do that before we wrap things up. You ready to read some text, Zach? Let's hear him. All right, here is the first. By the way, there is a massive theme uh, with our text. Nobody gave their name. Uh, so I have no idea who uh, who's who. So that'll be fun to read. Uh, from the 316, it felt like Spags, uh, C. Spagnola, that is, wanted the front four defensive line to push the pocket without much linebacker help. I would love to see more blitz packages, especially on third and long situations. Time after time, we get burned in coverage on long third downs. Why not send the house every now and then? Uh, you know, here's my thing on that. I think Spags may have been a little overconfident because they had their third-string offensive tackle going up against Frank Clark, and perhaps he thought that the Chiefs' defensive line was going to have have it their way uh, against the Jaguars, which wasn't necessarily the case. Um, I think that may have been part of it. And look, it is the first game too. You're you're learning uh, about your defense in your first game. Say what you want about the preseason. That's the preseason. Now 
it's for real, and you learn a lot more in week one than you do in all four games, com- preseason games combined. And I think he's certainly going to learn from that. And yeah, you 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 led the you co-led the NFL in sacks last year, and you definitely want to have a similar performance in 2019 for sure with this Chiefs defense. You know, I can I can see where you're coming from on that, just because I always like to see a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. But I mean, realistically. Part of the reason that you brought in someone like Frank Clark and why you're you know, looking at extending Chris Jones is because, in theory, these guys should be able to generate a little bit more of a pass rush without that much help. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. No one can ever do it alone alone. But, you know, Frank Clark against a third-string offensive lineman, you'd like to think that he's got that on lock. So, I mean, I hear where you're coming from. I think that you know, you'll know you see more and more of those sorts of blitz packages. But if you look at Steve Spagnuolo's general body of work, I mean, he does rely pretty heavily on that front four to generate a solid push more often than not. I mean, that's you know that's part of the reason that you know you had the Strahan, OCU, Manura, uh, you know, Justin Tuck defensive line, uh, you know, that did so much damage against Brady in the Super Bowl in 07 and uh, 09. So you know, those were both Spags defenses, if my memory serves. Uh, maybe just 07. But, uh, you know, he definitely relies heavily on that front four, and I think that's going to be something you'll be able to see continue moving forward. From the 626, uh, he or she, again, I, I have to assume genders here. I don't want to do that. Um, uh, 626 says the Chiefs and Raiders game will, I believe, will be a back-and-forth game with the Chiefs winning by three. Um, I know we both have uh, close scores, and I think most fans listening might be surprised by that because they're expecting a one-sided game um you know and I don't want to sit here and and, and just you know say every time we have a divisional game we should never underestimate and they're always tough look yeah that's the case but you know blowouts do happen as well uh I'm certainly not ruling out the possibility of a blowout but I think given what this Chiefs team is going through right now and again more specifically with the Mahomes ankle injury I think they're going to Try not to put too much pressure on him and maybe let the rushing attack take over a little bit more. Uh, and that's why that's the biggest reason I think it's going to be a closer game. Yeah, I think that you know, you're absolutely right on that. And realistically, I could see it you know, be a little bit like the game was last Sunday where you know we had it more in hand than the final score would indicate. Uh, but you know we let off a little of the gas there at the very end, which is a perfectly normal, natural thing to do, especially when you've got a quarterback who... Uh, you know, had taken a fresh ankle injury uh, earlier in the game. So could it be a back-and-forth affair? Absolutely. I don't want to underestimate that Raiders offense because Derek Carr is a good quarterback, certainly when healthy. I mean, really, like, until he broke his leg initially, like, he was looking like an MVP candidate and was going to push the Raiders pretty deep into the playoffs back a couple of years ago. So they're not ones to be underestimated, but I also think that the Chiefs' offense is truly unique. So... It'll be interesting to see how that game ends up shaking out. From the 6-2-0, uh, very concerned about Mahomes' ankle. He was not right after the injury. Couldn't step into throws. I'm afraid his long ball options are less until healthy. Yeah, and I kind of said something similar to that. Um, although I, I've got If to only we had a coach who could scheme around that, though. Wonder uh, where we could find one of those. Uh, I, I, I disagree that you know he wasn't himself. I mean, look, was it... Showtime Mahomes doing flashy things here and there. No, but uh, you still put up 40 points against this Jaguars team. Uh, You tell me before the game, again, I'll repeat myself, that Mahomes suffers an ankle injury somewhat early in the game. 
Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be pretty concerned. I, I I would have been concerned, and I don't know if 40 would have been a realistic number, yet that's what actually ended up happening without Tyreek Hill. So, um, I, I still have confidence. In the, and listen, when I say that, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to be cautious. I, I'm not sitting here saying, well, they're going to hand the ball off 40 times and only pass 10. No, you're, you're still going to see Mahomes pass the ball 20, 30 times. You're still going to see that in this football game, but... Uh, what kind of passing plays are they going to draw up? That's going to be the biggest question. And yeah, this Mahomes management for this this week and going into Sunday. And look, maybe we're sitting here saying that, but at the same time, maybe Mahomes' ankle injury is not as bad as we maybe are making it sound to be. And if that's the case, I would say, yeah, I, I might expect a more one-sided game because I would expect a lot more from Mahomes. You know teams are never going to show their hand with these kinds of situations. So, yeah, if uh, if you can convince people that Mahomes has a bad ankle, yeah, Andy Reid's going to, he would love for that to be the narrative. Yeah, absolutely, because they're going to, I mean, to the extent that you ever underestimate Mahomes, which if you do, you do at your own peril. Um, but the other part is that realistically, like, even if he is pretty dinged up, I mean, I meant what I said. You know, there's, Andy is, if not the best, certainly one of the best at, you know, orchestrating, you know, getting everything in place to where all it takes is a short throw and you can get a lot of yards after the catch. Um, that's just something that he's always been good at. And so, you know, if Mahomes is not, you know, able to just absolutely chuck it down the field the way that he's, you know, been known to do, I think we're still going to be okay. Final text. Also, uh, uh, this is a different uh, person, but uh, also from the same area code, the 620 hot take. The, even though we're not doing any hot takes this episode, uh, the Raiders okay, are I going like to the Raiders are going to finish second in the AFC West. Um, you know, that's that. You know, if you had said it like two, three weeks ago, I'd have said it's a pretty hot take. Um, I mean, even with the whole, you know, even pre Antonio Brown stuff, like I think that's, uh, you know, it's certainly bold. But honestly, the more that I start to think about it, with as dinged up as the Chargers continue to be, which, seriously, find me a more snake-bitten franchise from an injury perspective. Like, it's not easy to do, because it looks like Hunter Henry's going down, Mike Williams might be going down, like, yeah, classic Chargers gonna Charger, I guess. Yeah, um, and, you know, when you say second place, are you saying second place and maybe competing for a playoff spot, or is it gonna be, are we talking three bad teams and second place really means nothing. I think that's what I'd be curious to know with that uh, text right there. But yeah, yeah, I still I think, think I'd be a- genuinely shocked to learn that they were looking at it as uh, you know three bad teams and the Raiders end up in second. I mean, realistically, like you know, even with the Chargers being as dinged up as they are, like I think their floor is still somewhere around eight and eight. And so, you know, if the Raiders go nine and seven and are you know, in the running for a wild card spot, that wouldn't, I guess, totally shock me. You know, if Derek Carr is back playing at, you know, a MVP candidate sort of level, I mean, really wouldn't shock me at all, actually. Yeah, you know, I'd agree with this if it, if AV was still there. Listen, anyone who's listened to me or, or read any of my tweets and posts, and I get killed for this by Chiefs fans, I've been a big believer of Derek Carr. I, I like him. I think he can do good things. I said in 2015, I said, look, it's not going to be this year, but the following year the Raiders will compete and will go to the playoffs. That's exactly what happened. They almost won the division until Carr's injury. So, look, uh, I know that this team is capable of going far with Carr. It's just we've only seen him in, in, in MVP form, almost winning MVP. I thought he should have won it personally, but 
We've only seen that form of Derek Carr just once. And, you know, second place to me, I still think that's an uphill battle. Um, but, yeah, with the Chargers, with what they're dealing with right now, yeah, I, I would not put it out of the realm of, uh, of possibilities. It, it certainly could um, could happen. Uh, wh- what did you say you think that they could finish 8-8? Eight and eight? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if the Chargers ended up mm. somewhere in the 8-8 eight eight range. Like, you know, we're, I don't think they're going to be bad, but, you know, with all the injuries they're putting up with, like, you know, they're not going to hit their ceiling of, you know, the 11-5, and 12-4 sort of team that they've been in the past. That'll I mean, you know I don't believe in Rivers to carry it all by himself, but I think, you know, no. Rivers is certainly enough to beat the teams you're, you know, you're supposed to beat. Uh, but he's not enough to you know steal games from the teams that you know would be favored against you. All I know is the Chiefs are fi- going to finish on top of the AFC West. I think that's all we really care about. That is all we care about. You're right yeah, on that. That is all we care about. Uh, yeah, I disagree. Um, but I, I don't think I, I still think the Chargers are the bigger threat. But even right now, I don't think it's going to be as much. There you have it. That is our Chiefs and Raiders recap. Appreciate all of the text messages. Zach, week and a half into the season right now, and no Tyree Kill, but plenty of reasons. Aside to from still... that, things are looking good. Yeah, I was going to say, plenty of reasons to, to feel optimistic with this football team. Do I have you on the 19-0 bandwagon, or is that still uh, a no-go from you? Ah, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's a bandwagon I would be more happy to jump on. But I just, I mean, 19-0 just doesn't happen. So, like, you know, like, you know, all of the, like, logical part of me is like, nope, not a chance. But then there's, like, you know, that little kid fanhood that's still, like, you know, like it or not, like, that never goes away. That's like, yeah, we could absolutely do it. And, like, frankly, there's a little bit more overlap than normal with the logical thought of, you know. I mean, it, it certainly could happen if the defense continues to improve and the offense continues to go at a historic pace. I mean... Stuff could happen, but, you know, to be honest, I kind of thought the Patriots were going to do it a few years ago, and they just didn't. So, you know, I guess that that's the sort of thing that always has me kind of questioning, like, I don't know, 19-0 is a pretty tall order, man. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll keep asking you. We'll, we'll, we'll see if you uh, ever change your train at any point as the season goes on. But nonetheless, uh, that is our preview episode, and uh, we'll definitely do a recap Sunday after the game, hopefully uh, recapping a uh, second uh, win for the Chiefs. Absolutely. We'll hope for that. All right. There you have it. That is our preview episode. Big thanks to everyone downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vesugian. He is Zach Steginga. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. At Farzine21 on Twitter. At Z Steginga on Twitter. Big thanks to everyone who helped uh, the Facebook page surpass 5,000 likes this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please invite your friends to the Facebook page. And we do have the Mahomes Magic Crunch taking place right now on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, You have until Friday at 6 p.m. Central Time. And at 7 p.m. we announce the winners. So hurry up and participate if you want a chance to win. It's the final time we will do a Mahomes Magic Crunch giveaway. And after that we'll do a couple of Chiefs Kingdom flag giveaways. So get in on that if you want to have a chance to win. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, at Farzine21, at Z Steginga. Subscribe to the podcast, 913-808-2119. Thank you all for the text messages. Subscribe, share the links. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy all the football action. We'll do a Facebook Live once again at halftime and after the game. Join me for that and 
our recap episode will be out Sunday night. I'm Farzi Vasugan. He is Zach Stegna. Talk to you on Sunday.